I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. Welcome to Fairy God Boss Radio. Today we have a very special guest with us. We have Pamela Maynard, who's the Chief Executive Officer of Avanade. Pam, welcome to our show. Hi, Remy. Lovely to be here. Could you tell us about your career journey? How did you grow to become the CEO of a huge company? Gosh, what an opening question. And where do I start? <laughs> we, can, we can feel the whole time. That's um, what we, we all want to know. Where do we start? If How do we grow and how do we get promoted to be CEO? And so I'm going to go back quite a few years uh, to the point at which I made the decision. It's probably around high school age, where I was quite intent at the time to do it in doing a law degree. And I remember finishing my last exams. You know, I'd also decided which university I was going to go to. I was the in my family to have the opportunity to go to university. So it was a big deal for the family as well and for me to have a place to study law. But I decided I changed my mind. You know, I changed my mind that, and I don't know why, I don't, but there was something within me that thought, I don't want to do law anymore. Um, and I remember having a conversation with my mom about that. Uh, and I was quite terrified about having the conversation with her, as I say, because the expectation in terms of me having the opportunity to go to university to, to do a law degree. And she was really cool about it and very calm and just said, well, okay, if you don't want to do law, what might you want to do? And I said, I really don't know. And she said, well, what do you enjoy, right? What are the things that you enjoy doing? You know, have a think about that. You've got the summer, have a think. And I ended up choosing a management science degree because it was an opportunity to do different modules, still allowed me to do a law module. There was an economics, a marketing, a small tech module. But that degree led me to an internship at IBM, which gave me my first kind of blush, if you like, and exposure to tech. And then when I was looking at graduating, I actually was looking to pursue a career in management consulting because I really enjoyed the business strategy side of what I was doing at university. But I interviewed at Oracle as well as interviewing at um, other man- at management consultancies. And I loved the scent, the culture within Oracle. I loved the entrepreneurialism, the innovation, the culture. And, and I just thought I want to go here. This is the sort of place I want to work in. And Oracle taught me to code. So that's where I really learned about tech. And I can I progressed through Oracle and Oracle started to think more about how they could create a management consulting or bring more consulting DNA into their organization. They were hiring people from PwC and EYs, etc. So I got exposure to those people. And then I had the opportunity to move to EY. And at EY, I had the opportunity to combine technology and consulting and driving business transformation and change. And it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. I spent five years there before EY Consulting was bought by Capgemini. Um, I ended up um, then doing a number of different roles within Capgemini and quite a variety of different things from leading technology centers to driving growth around particular business propositions that they wanted to take to market, to leading client accounts and driving new solutions and change into into big global and international accounts. Um, I got headhunted by Avanade in 2008. 
And it was an interesting conversation, and I'm certain one we, we may come back to, uh, because it actually took me eight months to decide to join Avanade. I knew it was a joint venture between Microsoft and Accenture, but really, what were they doing? What was the proposition they were driving in the market? They, you know, they weren't as obvious in the UK at the time. Even though I remember when Avanade was launched in 2000 as the very strong brand to the market in the UK. Uh, but I joined in 2008, and then within two years, I was offered the opportunity to step up and lead the UK business. I had never run a P&L before. I'd never run a business before, Romy. I was a career consultant. And I remember talking to a mentor of mine at the time uh, about this opportunity to, to, uh, to step up. And she said to me, listen, you are a good consultant. You know how to be a good consultant. And so treat it as a consulting project, right, which was really helpful because it gave me some perspective on this quite significant step I was going to make. Two years after taking on the UK, I was asked whether I would step up to run Europe, what was Europe, Africa and Latin America. Uh, we called it EALA and it included Brazil and South Africa at the time. And that, again, was a big step moving from the UK to running a multi-country geography. And then, you know, last year in June, I was asked to step up and become the CEO. Uh, in between the CEO piece and, and running Europe, Africa and Latin America, which became um, Europe, I actually did two and a half years in the US as well. So I moved to Seattle. I was based in Seattle. And actually, I just moved back in December to London. So uh, lots of big steps, some maybe bold decisions, which made me feel probably a little bit uncomfortable and stretched me. Huge learning opportunities, taking those learning opportunities. And that's how I ended up here. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it's uh, first of all, it is literally amazing for those of us who've never managed to become corporate CEOs to actually hear the steps that progress. And thank goodness you didn't become a lawyer <laughs> and instead take these steps along the way. And what I'm hearing, a couple themes. Number one is you clearly love to learn. Yeah. You love to consult. It seems like you were really motivated along the way to have project-based work or have an opportunity to do lots of different projects. And you even said that when you stepped up to the next level or the regional CEO, just treat it like a project, yeah. right? But I'm interested to know, it does sound like at a certain point in your career, but maybe early on, were you raising your hand for the next step? You were looking for the next step. And then at some point, it's it flipped and people started to find you. So talk to us about both sides of that equation. How do you recommend those of us who are ambitious, how do we help make sure our good work gets seen? When do we know it's time to step into a new role? And then how do we set ourselves up to be recognized and advanced? So in terms of thinking about you know, putting your hand up for new roles, new opportunities, I and, I and I was sort of reflecting on myself and also conversations that I have with others. There are key points. In most, most organizations, they have a career management framework. They have a form of performance development framework which I believe creates some structure points, right, where you can have a conversation with your career advisor, your career counsellor, you know, in terms of both a look back and a look forward, right? Uh, and, you know, how am I doing? What are the opportunities that you're seeing for me in terms of personal development? And then also, you know, looking forward, you know, what, what do you think could be for me next? 
And sometimes, you know, that conversation, I've had the conversation, it'd be, okay, Pam, yeah, but you've only been in the, the, the role a year. Uh, we need to spend more time cementing in the role, maybe addressing some of these development opportunities. You're putting a stake, you're putting something out there that's signaling that you're interested in learning and progressing, right? And So let and people know, make it clear that you are you have ambition. You want yeah, the next step. Absolutely, absolutely. There's no harm in doing that. You know, what's the worst that could happen is you're holding yourself back by not putting your hand up and signaling, right? I think that's really important. So, you know, is it ever too soon? I wouldn't say so. I mean, if it is, people will tell you, you can have a dialogue, you can have a conversation, but at least you put your hand up uh, in terms of in terms of that. Yeah, you know, that's what that's what I would say there. At what point did you start to just get recognized? What did you What did you do? How did you start becoming instead of somebody reaching for the next role, somebody who was being coveted for the next role? I think one of the things that helped me and has been an important aspect of my career journey, mentoring. Uh, yeah, because when I reflect on it, some of my mentors uh, also became sponsors and therefore advocates for me. I love that. And, and helped open doors for me and signal to me opportunity that maybe I couldn't even see that, you know, I could be ready for or I could take the opportunity for. And so I think, you know, you know, and I would really, like I say, mentoring really helped me, helped me in a number of different ways on my, my journey. I think one of the things that helped to flip was that shift in, maybe it was the people who were working with me in terms of being my mentors, but that sponsorship aspect, you know, really, really helped. I think the other piece, and again, when I look more at probably my career in Avenard, you know, it was when I joined Avenard, probably more than ever, that I realised the importance of being visible and becoming a role model for those that were coming behind me all those that were sitting alongside of me, right, in terms of other women, especially being a woman in tech, right, of course, a woman of colour in tech. And I think, you know, by putting myself out there, becoming more visible and working on my profile, that also helped. Yeah, I love that. So with that, what do you think is the most important thing for women and women of colour to do as mentors? How can we all be better mentors or sponsors? Well, one of the first things I always do when somebody approaches me to be a mentor uh, is I challenge them actually on why they want me to be a mentor. Right? It's like, well, why me? What is it in yourself that you feel you need to work on that you feel I can help you with? What's the objective? I, what is the objective? What is it you're trying to achieve? Because I think it's very easy for you to say, to you know, spot somebody and say, okay, I think that person's doing really well or that person's in that part of the organisation, I want to, them to be my mentor. But why? I think it's really important that you ask yourself why um, or you challenge them on why uh, because I think that then cements the goals, the objectives, as you say, and the contract in terms of the mentoring relationship. Uh, and I think with that understanding, you can be a better mentor, right? You've got something then to focus on in terms of helping that individual to overcome. So I think that, you know, when, when you approaches you to be a mentor, asks you to be a mentor, really establish the relationship and goals, the objectives, as I say, the mentoring contract. I think it's really important as a mentor to listen, be a really, really good listener and not be too directive, even though you may know the answer. You know, it's really about coaching and helping and supporting. 
Uh, I think the other piece as well, and I go back to my own experience, is as a mentor, you know, what are the opportunities to sponsor the person you're mentoring? Be an advocate for the person you're mentoring and to take that role as well when it's, it's important. And then finally for me in terms of mentoring is take the opportunity to learn from your mentee, right? I love that, you yes. learn so much yeah, from your mentee. It's an opportunity for both to learn. So I want to take this moment to ask you about a very important person in your life, mentor, sponsor, and beyond, your mother. You mentioned her earlier, and she had a huge impact on your career. Could you tell us a little bit more about her? Yeah, she uh, she did have a huge impact, um, and she continues to have a, a, an important impact and is a, is a great advisor to me. So we were, I was born in London, in central London. Uh, my mum uh, was from the West Indies, this is my dad, uh, and they moved to London in the 60s. And... Um, and they actually met. They actually met in the city. They didn't meet in Barbados, which is where they both grew up. Uh, so they didn't really know that much at all about the UK, uh, the UK society. But they had family in central London, which is why they both ended up there. And actually, is how they met. And then, um, but my mum made a decision very not long after I was born, um, or after my sister was born. So to move from central London to, you know, 50 miles outside of London, away from her support network, her family, her friends, uh, to a small village, because she felt in that environment, that new environment would create a better opportunity for us to learn and to grow up, right, outside of the the central, the the city and the city environment. It was quite a challenge for us. You know, we were the only sort of family of colour in that village at the time. And... It was an early lesson in resilience, right, and building relationships from a point where people are not quite sure, a bit, a bit nervous, a bit reluctant, actually, as they try to understand who you are, what you are, why you look different to them. And so, you know, through that action and other actions that she's taken, she's actually helped, even though it may have been challenging, you know, for me and my siblings to really grow, develop, learn, develop resilience as well. Uh, so that was important. You know, that decision around which university to go to, changing my mind, my mother helped me to understand that it was okay. It was okay to have a change in plan. It was okay not to have a plan. And to think about your next step in terms of the, the opportunities you were looking for, the, the opportunities you wanted to pursue. Use that as input and insight to making that decision. Hence, you know, going down the path of management science, which gave me options and choices, uh, which was right. important. She also helped around taking risks, putting ourselves out there, looking, stepping out to take opportunity. I mean, she took a, took a big risk by both moving to the UK and then moving her family out to the village. But then also she gave us a book uh, by Susan Jeffers called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. And it's one I recommend a, a lot. Great title. A great title, great little book. And it just gave you some really useful lessons in terms of taking risks. One of the things that we often talk about as females, right, is, you know, our ability to take risks. Are we good at taking risks versus some of our male peers? And, you know, mum gave me that that book, which, you know, said, you know, go on. What's the worst that can happen you're going to learn? Right. Take it. Take the opportunity. Don't hold yourself back by not taking the opportunity and learn from it. Right. So. She's um, a fantastic 
as I say, advisor, role model, friend. I love it. She's giving great advice to every, all of us who are listening right now. And, and also I'm trying to absorb it because obviously she's very good at raising successful children. Um, <laughs> so following your experience in the village and your, feeling, your experience at university, what was it like to rise through the ranks as a woman of color in technology? I enjoyed it. I absolutely enjoyed it. Yeah, I love that I, answer. I, <laughs> I you know, when I look back, you know, I really enjoy, I enjoyed it. I the one thing I love about what I do is um, being able to help organisations and people to change, right, uh, and to learn and grow. Right. I absolutely enjoy that piece. And technology and a career in technology is a great way of achieving that in, in what you do. But of course, it was challenging at times. Right. I mean, I'm sat here and we're having a great conversation. Uh, but, you know, one of my inner demons has always has been my shyness, to be honest, and not allowing that to hold me back and having to overcome that or accept it, right? Because I think that was the first big thing, accept, accept, accepting who I am uh, and the fact that I am shy and not letting it get me down. Um, Taking a potential weakness and making it a strength. Exactly. And, uh, and then working out tactics and strategies to both recognise it and then how to deal with it, right? And I say, not let me help, not hold me back. So a big part of, you know, my challenge and, you know, the challenges that I had to overcome uh, in terms of my progressing my career was really about finding my voice for me. You know, both from the aspect of working with my mentors who helped me even to prepare for meetings. I remember a conversation with one of my mentors and we would absolutely, we would get the agenda. We would look through the agenda and we would prepare when how many interventions I was going to make in a meeting. Then after the meeting, I'd come back and talk to her about what interventions had happened. Had I made the interventions we tried to plan? Uh, if not, why not? So that whole thing around plan, do, review, learning, why didn't it happen, did it happen, etc. You know, even to that level of you know, just thinking about it to, to help me to overcome and find my voice was important. Another mentor I worked with, who actually happened to be in my line, if I was in a meeting with them, you know, they would help to create an opportunity for my voice to be heard. Which is um, so important for all of us to remember to do. Yeah. So you can use people that you're working with as well to help you in that way. And, you know, I would encourage people to think about that, right? Who are their peers, their colleagues that can also help them as I had to to help me to overcome some of my challenges. So it was a really enjoyable progression. It was not without its challenges, though. Um, and the key one for me was finding my voice. Yeah. It's so interesting, too, what, what I gleaned from what you've said that is for people who become so, so successful, you, you've been so deliberate. You don't walk into a meeting without planning for it. <laughs> exactly, exactly what you're going to say and when and how many times. Uh, and that's such an important thing to take away, too. Yeah. Today is June 4th. I think it's really important that we talk about what's going on in the world right now. Right. We're in the middle of, I think, the ninth or 10th day of worldwide protests in the wake of the brutal murder of George Floyd. And so I wanted to ask you, as a corporate leader and as a Black woman, what should corporate leaders be doing to support Black employees right now? I mean, I, like many, you know, have spent the last 
you know, the recent days, a couple of weeks, feeling a, a huge, massive mixture of emotions, right, in, in response to the death of George Floyd and what's been happening since. You know, sadness, anger, anxiety, frustration, you know, confusion. I think every been through the complete roller coaster as everybody has. Um, you know, and as a black woman, I know all too well what it feels like. Uh, you know, have the colour of your skin, you know, be the first thing and often the most defining uh, characteristic that people see in you. Yeah, but also as a leader in an organisation, yeah, one that is built on a core value of everybody, absolutely everybody counts. I know that the first thing that's incredibly important is to speak up, right? And I know that as a leader, um, speaking up and creating then an environment for others to speak and to be heard and to express themselves at this time is incredibly important, incredibly important. And I think that that is just creating an environment, speaking up yourself, creating an environment for others, to people to come together, and therefore enabling people to speak out and fostering that open dialogue. Right, that would be what I would think is important. making then, space for difficult making, conversations. Yeah, and and yeah, and you're right. It's difficult. Some people may feel awkward, uh, but it is incredibly important. And I, for me, that is the first major step. I, th- I think that is very essential and astute. Um, and then a related question is, we've also recently had the release of the Fortune 500 list this year, and uh, there are no Black female CEOs on the list. What has to change to have many more Black women become CEOs as you've done? Right. It's staggering, isn't it, when you think about that and think about today, uh, at this time in 2020, there is still no black female CEOs in the Fortune 500. And I think as well that a lot of, and I've talked about it, you know, mentoring programs, um, employee resource groups, uh, focus programs that are focused on inclusion and diversity, uh, and putting that structure into the organisation is incredibly important. Right. So what is the structure? What is the focus? What is the priority in the organisation on inclusion and diversity, diversity and inclusion? And across different aspects, um, because what's important in that black female CEO piece is the intersectionality between gender as well as race. Right. Um, and so, you know, think holistically. I really do feel now. And we you know, on Avenard, we've been on a journey in, on our, in terms of our own inclusion and diversity strategy, starting first with gender, but now branching, you know, being much more deliberate, you know, establishing our employee resource groups that focus on African-Americans, on black and ethnic minorities, on um, LGBTQ. And I think now we need to think much more holistically. So get the program set up, get the progress around established. I think that is absolutely critical because that will then create the structure to shine a light on um, the talent that you have in the organization right the diverse talent that you have in the organization that you can then foster grow and develop right because and you know and that will also create the environment for those diverse voices to be heard in a different way right and therefore be surfaced in a way 
that they can then be fostered, mentored and grown through the organisation. But we need to put the structure and the programmes around so we can really um, put some more intentionality into developing you know, our diverse employees and then bringing them up through the organisation. But being much more deliberate yeah, about, about tracking, promoting, identifying diverse yeah. talent. That's right. And really, you know, as, a, as leaders... You know, spending time on your um, executive committee meetings, you know, having a conversation about your talent, you know, having the conversation and, as I say, sort of holding up the mirror, shining the light on the impact that you're really having. I think that's really important because we've heard a lot, especially in the last few days, about um, lip service or, you know, is the intentionality to change really there? Uh, and I really do feel that now is the time to be putting that internet intentionality to change into place. Absolutely. I agree. I 100% agree. Um, all right. We're going to go to some more fun, silly questions for a moment. And then we will come back to the series, a low and last serious question. So, uh, what, Pam, what is your favorite karaoke song? <laughs> Um, yeah, one of these people, you know, if I'm getting ready to go out or go out with girlfriends, I listen to um, something poppy like Bruno Mars or whatever, and I'm singing along in my hairbrush. Uh, but um, I actually had a very defining karaoke moment. And last year, I had the opportunity to travel to Japan for the first time. And I I was with what my colleague, my great colleague, Anna Di Silverio, who is my area, area president for growth markets, for my growth markets business. We had dinner with our Japanese team, uh, which was wonderful. But afterwards, they wanted to go to a karaoke bar. And I was as, thinking, as you would right. have to do. <laughs> yeah, it's such okay. a big part of their culture. I was thinking, oh, no, I'm really not sure this is the right. Anna was like, come on, you know, it's, it'll be great fun. Uh, and a great way for you to get to know the team and for the, the team to get to know you. Uh, and so we went uh, and it was fabulous. It was one of the best nights of my of, of my life. And uh, and Anna and I took to the uh, took to the stage to sing uh, Gloria Gaynor, I Will Survive. And so and we screamed with laughter uh, through most of it. So goodness knows what it. it sounded like. <laughs> Does somebody have video footage of this? <laughs> Probably. I think there were a few phones there taking video. Um, but yeah, it was absolutely, it was a complete scream. It was wonderful. And it oh, was I love like, that. Yeah. So that would be, my karaoke song would be Gloria Gaynor, I Will Survive, because of the fond memories I have. What a great moment. How do you practice self-care? It's a lot to run an entire firm. How are you practicing self-care? It's a fantastic question, and especially now, Romy, with the the importance of self care, given the times we're experiencing with the the COVID nineteen uh, implications on our lives and the way that we have been can we've been locked down, sheltering in place, you know, whatever phrase you want to use, depending on where you are in the world, and therefore, you know, what that creates is, especially for me, you know, the the way in which all of my days seem to be the same. One day will run into another. They're blending, and, I agree. <laughs> unless you are really deliberate around, as you say, focusing on taking those moments, those opportunities for self-care. Uh, and, and I say really deliberate and very intentional. Uh, you know, one of the things that I do, I suppose I'm lucky because I have a, 
an assistant and a business manager who works with me is to structure my day in a way where you know, typically I don't have any meetings until 10 o'clock in the morning. So I have the morning free if I want to go out, take a walk, do some exercise, speak to one of my family or a friend, so you know, do some quiet time, focus on email, whatever. So, you know, using my calendar to carve out, as I say, being very intentional and deliberate in terms of that space is incredibly important. Um, I also, you know, take the opportunity. I'm quite a reflector, I think, quite a lot. Uh, I used to do that when I traveled. No more plane time. No more plane time, but I used to be very deliberate and intentional as to how I use my plane time. Sometimes I'd just watch a movie. Sometimes I would work. And my team knew what I would be doing. Um, as well, because again, that was one of the ways I took care of myself, carving carving out that playing time. Without that, you know, it's about carving out time. So I get out and walk. I'll walk. I live, I'm lucky I live in a part of London, which is close to the parks and the river. So I've got some great areas to walk. And then, you know, other pieces for me, yoga. Also, since living in the US, I've become a bar fan. So I love bar fusion, which brings together yoga and bar. Uh, That's intense, yes. <laughs> which can be intense, but very satisfying. And finally, you know, I just love, I absolutely love music. Um, I have played uh, instruments in my life. My favourite is the saxophone. also just love listening to all different types of music. So, you know, but, you know, really, Romy, especially now, is about being very intentional about carving out the time. Yeah, right? I think that's right. And I think understanding that when you do, you're not detracting from your work, but you're, you're actually preparing yourself to deliver better work, better thinking, clear mind, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. I think the other thing is, you know, to recognize, learn to recognize the signals in yourself. Mm. You know, I think we all, you know, if, if we tune in, I think you can tune into yourself. Hang on a minute. You know, I've just answered a question that somebody's asked me in a quite a snappy way. Why is that? Well, maybe, you know, I need to step back for a while. Maybe I'm a little bit stre- more stressed than I think. <laughs> I thought I would be right now. Just learning, taking the time, the opportunity to do that, tune in and understand signals about yourself. I think it's also incredibly important and use that as a trigger to maybe get some time out, right, and take some time out. You know, for example, you know, quite recently I took a week off, right? People are like, you taking a week off? I took a week off. Well, Um, you're setting a great example. Exactly. When you do that. And I just needed some extra time. Yeah. yeah. Great. We have a challenge for you, uh, especially now that you've, you've confessed you're an introvert. Um, but it's our belief that at Fairy God Boss that one of the things that impedes women from getting advanced, getting more promotions is that we're not great at talking about our own accomplishments. And you are an incredibly accomplished woman. So I'm going to ask you to brag for us. And talk to us, brag about something you're really proud that you've accomplished. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, I would sort of move around in my chair because I feel uncomfortable now. Uh, I'm going to talk about something quite recent uh, in terms of me becoming CEO and stepping into the CEO role. And I remember I was talking to Adam Wolby, who um, I succeeded. And so it was when we were on the CEO listening tour back in July. And I was sort of saying to him, you know, what's the purpose of Avanar? What, what is, why do we exist as a technology company? What's our real purpose? I said, I'm not really sure we have one. And he said, oh, it's a really good question. 
And it was also at a time where I was reading more about, you know, what the purpose and lead, business leaders thinking about the purpose of their own organisation. Uh, so I spent some time reflecting and also sort of riffing with um, my head of marketing, you know, on what we felt the purpose should be for Avanard. And we created the purpose of, you know, create actually creating a genuine human impact. So that's Avanard's purpose. And making a genuine human impact. Which is especially relevant right this second. Exactly. But the thing that I can't believe in, in doing that is the power of having that purpose, the power of having that purpose statement and the way in which it has brought together the organization, kind of galvanized the organization, given more substance to us the way in which we think about what we want Avenard to do and to become, the way in which we've now grown a stronger presence in terms of the work we do with nonprofits, for example. So we've launched uh, an aspect of our business, which is about how we take what we do in terms of digital technologies to create, help nonprofits to be even more effective uh, in the change that they are driving in the world. You know, the way in which we are, are, our employees are using volunteer hours because we have a volunteer program, enabling our employees to actually volunteer you know, in their own communities, and and the way you know, the way people have harnessed that. You know, the work that we've done you know, most recently, the NHS in the UK, you know, helping their frontline workers to really harness and use collaboration tools in very quick time. Um, you know, and also helping other organisations to get active and remote working in terms of COVID. A lot of, a lot of that, you know, the as I say, and each time we can see the impact that we're having. So, you know, defining that purpose, yeah. Uh, but it's just seeing the way in which the organisation is galvanised. The organisation we've come together behind that purpose you know, uh, has, to, you know, achieved a sense of belonging, a sense of Avenard community that I never expected it to have. It's been wonderful. It does sound incredible and prescient uh, in ex- anticipating the way the world was about to change. Um, wonderful, Pam. Well, my last question before I let you go, if you were just to say one thing we should all do differently or do more of or do better to advance our own ambition so that we could all one day become a CEO like you, What's your one piece? What should we all go do a little differently today? One thing I would say is, you know, we all get offered opportunity, right? We always, you know, there's an opportunity, either we create opportunity for ourselves and we're sort of sat there, you know, there could be an opportunity for me to do this. Shall I take the leap and do that? Or somebody could be offering you an opportunity, you know, come and work with me, try this new experience. And sometimes we take too long, Romy, to make a decision to go for that opportunity. Yeah, decisions can be so hard. Yeah. Treat it as an opportunity to learn, right? Look at it as an opportunity for you to learn, uh, you know, and leap. Go for it. You know, walk through the door, as I say. Take that opportunity. Yeah, don't hold yourself back. Just think about it. You know, if you're not taking opportunity, you're not, you're holding yourself back. Why deny yourself the goodness that could come from that learning experience, right, by not doing it? So my piece would be take those opportunities that are out there for you, have a go, leap forward, and enjoy and learn. I love it. 
Ham, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I'm really inspired by your story. Uh, and I'm going to go maybe take a little bit of an extra risk today. <laughs> Good for you. Lovely to meet you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy God Boss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time.